there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. UVA okay. football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow tie wearing, brie cheese eating, NASCAR wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to punch people from UVA right in the neck. They wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. All right, everybody, and welcome to the Guys and Ties podcast. We have a lot to talk about today, some good, some bad, so we'll get into that. Of course, it's Robert here with uh, my partner in crime, Dustin. Dustin, how's it going? Well, there's a lot on my mind right now, so today's the first day of NFL season starting again, which is awesome, and super excited to be watching that again, but I'm a Saints fan, and we just got blown out by Tampa Bay, which sucks. Um, but it's good to it's good for football to be back. The other thing is, I'm I'm really tired from last night. We had a anti celebration after the football game. Yep. And we'll get into that later. But a little bit tired, a little groggy, but we're gonna work through it. I've got some tea with me today, and hopefully that's gonna help wake me up. Yeah. But I mean, we're watching the Redskins game right now. Hail to the Redskins! And you know, hopefully. You know, Dustin's 0 for 2 on the weekend right now with Virginia losing and now the Saints. I'm hoping to go 1 and 1. You know, I, I feel like I should be disappointed by the Saints and I should be really like shocked that they lost to the Bucks. But as a UVA fan, I'm, I'm used to these upsets that happen a lot and with football and basketball. So no real big surprises here, but still disappointment. So yeah. hopefully it gets better. Yeah. So now that we've had our NFL digression to begin the show, we will begin talking about UVA football. So UVA football had a tough loss last week. Uh, well, I guess last night. Yeah, last night. It was not pretty. Uh, and I think the frustrating part was that that was a very winnable game. And it was a game that I think the staff really should have won, mm-hmm. you know? So to come out, and we're going to get into the details, but just that's my biggest thought on the game is man year three bronco and listen it's still early you can't say one game changes everything because i do like the direction this program is trending but that was a game i really thought we should have won you know it's funny because i really felt good about this team after last week and this week it's totally flipped and i don't feel right nearly as good and i'm wondering if it's because i've just noticed more about what this team is can do or what they can't do, their lack of ta- or talent in some areas, especially because we played an actual Power 5 team, and we can actually see, like, oh, there's still some things wrong with us. So I have some thoughts, but I want to hear your biggest takeaway from the game last night. I mean, my biggest takeaway is we just got to 
execute. Mm-hmm. You know, plays were there to be made. Dropped interceptions. Bryce Hall could have had a pick six early on in the game. Yeah. Alameda dropped a couple passes, a couple big ones. Uh, you know, the Joe Reed fumble. That's you know, the talent level is gonna be what it is the rest of the season. We're gonna be an okay team in terms of talent. So in order to hit six wins, you gotta execute. And we can't have the mistakes that we made last night. And again, they're not like the mistakes we'd see under Mike London with 12 men on the field mm-hmm. or just some weird timeout decisions, but players got to make plays and they, to a large extent, missed some plays that they could have made last night. I think that another thing is while the players definitely could have made some plays, I think part of this has to go on the staff and the coaching staff, not, not just how they game planned, but how they didn't really change up what they were doing because our our game plan seemed to be really run heavy and without passing. But once Indiana literally put everyone in the box, we couldn't run the ball at all. And so the not being able to pass the ball or being prepared to pass the ball, I think really hurt our chances down the stretch, especially. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, we kind of... St- I think we kind of know what Bryce Perkins is now. Mm-hmm. He's a runner that when he's in space, he can be dangerous. He's not, doesn't really have that wiggle, yeah. but you know, dangerous runner. But as a thrower, there's, there's nothing special there. No, I, we were talking about, Rob and I watched the game last night with some other friends and we, like, every single pass that Perkins threw had a nice arc to it. It was Even a nice, five yarders, a nice man. soft pass. And that's not going to win us games, especially when we're down on the road, in the pouring rain. Yeah. That's not going to do it well, for us. Well, he missed some open throws, too. I mean, mm-hmm. Alameda should have caught first, that pass that on that path. first drive. And thankfully, we still scored. But Bryce puts it anywhere near him. That's a touchdown. But that that wasn't a good pass. I yeah. mean, it was behind him and to the wrong shoulder. So it was a really bad pass. And he had to, uh, Alameda had to go back for it. Yeah. he He's not going to be making big-time throws down the stretch. Now, he did have a nice... 20-yard touchdown pass to uh, Dubois, but that's not that's not going to be his game style. The game style is him running and Jordan Ellis running, and hopefully we just stay up on teams and we can just run out the clock for the whole second half because otherwise we're not going to be coming back from games. I mean, you look at the stat line. He was 12 for 24 passing for 106 yards. Rushing, he had 25 attempts for 123 yards, so... Not only did he have more rushing yards than passing yards, he had more rushing attempts than passing attempts, which, you know, I think that's what our offense is going to be. And that's not really good or bad or anything, but we, I think we're getting a feel for what this team is going to look like and we got to play to our strengths better. The other thing that surprised me was how little Jordan Ellis was used after his really big week last week. He only had 63 yards on 12 carries. And I, he averaged 5.3 yards a carry, but I I think we should have used him a little bit more. I think it became a little bit obvious that Bryce Perkins was going to keep the ball a lot of times, mm-hmm. and especially after the first series where he ran it, he had that 50-yard run. Yep. But I I think that they could have used Ellis in a much bigger capacity last night, and I think I think that hurt us a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was one of those things, Broncos said it really well, is that passing, you look at it, they at times had two spies on Bryce Perkins. They dared mm-hmm. him to beat him with his arm. And then they'd come and they'd 
uh, really stuff the box. And yeah. what Bronco said, which I thought was a really good point, was they took away the middle of the field. They said, mm-hmm. all right, if you're going to beat us, it's going to have to be outside the edges. Yeah. Jordan Ellis is a north-south downhill runner. You know, he's good runner. Mm-hmm. He's not really fast, you know? Yeah. So as soon as they tried to force him to go lateral, mm-hmm. that's where it all ended. Yeah. And the other thing is, but I mean, you're, you're saying that we... They dared us to beat us with the arm, but we didn't even try. Yeah. You know, we didn't try until that last drive where we were forced to throw down the field, and you know it didn't work out. So, I think I think at some point we're gonna have to start throwing the ball more. I know the weather kind of blew for throwing the ball, but you know it is what it is. So I do want to give a shout out to the special teams, though. I except for the fumble, it, the two the two blocks and. Just the overall coverage was really good. So good good for the special teams for standing out <laughs> last night. That, that, that's what I came away with. Special teams good. Lots of other things not good. Yeah. So we're, you know, getting a better feel for the game, for the team. And we'll kind of see where things go. And we'll, we'll break it down a little bit more in a bit. So first, though, I think we want to give our guest a call. We got a very special guest, St. Lou Who from Who's Place. Uh, is kind enough to join us on the show. So let's give him a call. I'm here. <laughs> All right. How's it going? It goes well. How are y'all doing today? We've been better. I've been better. <laughs> I can't imagine why. <laughs> so, everybody, we have St. Lou Who on from Who's Place. Um, you know, we had Fred Seattle Who on earlier, a couple episodes ago. So this is his partner in crime at Who's Place, St. Lou. Uh, why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself, about the site? Just give our listeners a quick introduction to uh, you and UVA Sports. Sure thing. So uh, I've been a fan of UVA Sports for 20 some odd years now, uh, starting when I was in middle school and um just watching those great George Walsh teams on TV kind of got me hooked. And right about the same time, the Jeff Jones era of basketball was peaking. Uh, and, I, and I just fell in love, um, much to my family's chagrin, a lot of Hokies in the family who were not thrilled with the fact that I was donning the orange and blue. But when it came, t- came time to pick a college, it was no no brainer. Um, and I've been a diehard alum ever since. Um, about a couple years ago, uh, Seattle, who he and I talked on message boards and start, talked a little bit at, outside of it. And we just kind of had the idea to start a new website, just a, a from the fans, for the fans kind of website. I mean, we're not pros. We all have day jobs. And we just thought there was an angle missing out there of, of good fan-generated content. So we kind of dove into that uh, a year or so ago and have been running with it. And we hope it's uh, something the fans out there are enjoying. Yeah. No, whose place? Anyone, you know, we gave, we love Who's Place. When Fred was on, we, we gave our shouts to Who's Place. Hopefully y'all are still reading it. Great website. And we're really excited to get uh, you on here to talk some sports. So I think the fi- big thing we want to talk about, obviously, is the Indiana game. So did you have any kind of initial impressions? Like when you think Indiana and you think UVA football, I'd like to win that game. <laughs> so I, we were just curious, what were your big takeaways from that game? Um, I will say that game went just about as I expected it to go. Um, I had a, a post over on the 247 board 
uh, I think Friday, I picked picked the final score of twenty to fourteen. So mm-hmm. I wasn't very far off. I was I was one one Thornhill two point conversion <laughs> return off from from nailing the final score. Once I saw the weather report for the game, my confidence went down a little bit. Ideally, that is the sort of game that you know. In a perfect world, UVA playing the way we know as a program it can, because we've seen it in the past, um, they should win. But we also know where the program is today and you know what it's been working to overcome. And Indiana is, a, is not a great Big Ten team. I saw someone on one website call it a Big Ten powerhouse, and I, I laughed because they're not. <laughs> so, someone was trying to make the loss look a little bit better. Um, but, but no, no, they're not a Big Ten powerhouse. They are a, a team that will struggle to win three or four games in the Big Ten this year. Um, so yes, that's a game we should win, but just unfortunately, as we saw last night, we're, we're just not quite there. Some reasons for optimism after what we saw last night, but obviously still a, a lot of things to work on. Yeah, and I think I think one of the biggest things to work on is the passing game, which you know is really hard, especially in the weather last night. It, it kind of sucks, but I mean, at some point we're gonna have to throw the ball, especially if we get down. So what? are your takeaways with Bryce Perkins and the passing game? That's a, that's a good point. Um, the, the need to throw when you're coming from behind. When we got the ball back last night with a couple of minutes to go and uh, a long field in front of us, my confidence was not high mm-hmm. because, you know, the, the team had been running and running and running some more all night long. And with, with time ticking off, and I think we had only maybe one timeout to play with at that point, there, the passing game was going to need to be a, a part of the attack to, to get that two-minute drill done. And, you know, looking at the final stats for the night, you know, we threw the ball 24 times against um, 39 runs. And I get that the weather plays a little piece of that. I, I don't want to read too much into it. The, it, diff, it did look like Perkins was making the choice to run a little bit more um, than Ane was uh, calling it. I know a lot of folks on the message boards today have been crucifying the offensive coordinator for not calling more pass plays, but I think a lot of those plays that I saw look like run pass options, and Perkins was choosing to pull down and, and, and take off as opposed to looking downfield. Just like anything, there's plenty of blame to go around. Um, the wide receivers weren't getting separation, so I can understand why Perkins didn't see open receivers he wanted to throw to. The weather conditions obviously make it tough. There were a couple of drop passes. Um, but at the same time, Perkins looked a little hesitant to let the ball go uh, and just trusting in his feet to get it done. And, and maybe this is just uh, a guy who at the at the junior college level was able to get things done running the ball um, last week against Richmond when he decided to pull it down and run. We saw how successful he could be. And this is his first time facing a real you know FBS P5 kind of defense. Mm-hmm. And I'm just you know hoping that this was a learning experience for him that no, sometimes you got to take a chance uh, that you've got to throw the ball. And that going forward, maybe not next week in Ohio with the weather conditions looking to be um, equally abysmal. But after that, once we finally get into some good fall weather, uh, he, he has a little confidence and the play calling sets him up to, to uncork the ball a little bit more so that, so that the defenses are forced to honor it so that he's not running against eight-man fronts and uh, that we can see a little more balance over the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, you make some great points there. And one thing we had talked about earlier in the show is at one point, you know, Indiana had two spies on Bryce Perkins. I mean, they were not going to let him run the ball the way he did last week against Richmond. 
you know, he's going to have to put in the air from time to time. And hopefully, Alamede clearly didn't have one of his better games last night. Uh, dropped some important balls, just wasn't really getting out and getting that uh, room and space. Assis Dubois had a pretty good game. But, you know, I coming into the season, I was expecting to keep the passing game a lot in the center of the field, which we have. But I would have thought Evan Butts would have been a bigger part of it, too. And you also have the element where Bryce isn't really going through a ton of reads. You know, if that first read isn't open, he's normally looking to run. So there's a lot of dynamics at play here. I mean, I guess a question for you would be, how much improvement in that area do you think we can expect as the season goes on? I'm optimistic. Um the weather, the weather has to be talked about last night. That wasn't just a wet game like we yeah. saw at Richmond. That was, that was almost hurricane-like in the way that the wind was blowing along with the rain. Mm-hmm. Um, ob- obviously, uh, you know, Indiana's Ramsey was able to get the job done to some degree. He didn't throw for a ton of yards, but when he did throw, he was efficient um, in that weather. I think he was something like 70-plus percent, mm-hmm. uh, only had the one interception. Um, but the weather... For Perkins, I mean, he's coming out of uh, an Arizona program where, you know, he never saw rain. That <laughs> <laughs> right? It's I mean, true. It's true. he's yeah. coming from you know he You're played last wrong. year in, in an extreme drought right, out in the desert. So I think he maybe said this... that uh, last. Sorry to cut you off. I think he said last night was his first game he had ever played in the rain, Gosh. like just in his career. Yeah. Right, and of course we have that nice indoor practice facility. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming the guys were, were working out indoors this week too. Um, you know, maybe Bronco will talk about in one of his press conferences this week about what the staff does to get some wet weather experience ahead of a, a game that is uh, going to be a wet one. Hopefully that bodes well for this coming week um, with, with the remnants of the hurricane looking to come in. You know, Virginia now has experience playing in a wet environment. Mm-hmm. Um, two weeks if you count playing in a, you know, on the, on the sloppy field from the Richmond game and Ohio does not. So, so maybe that'll do well. But I am hopeful that once we see some better weather that Perkins can show what he's been showing in practice, all the reports from practice are saying he's, he's making the reads, he's making the throws um, that the, the under throws are, are uncharacteristic or the, the hesitancy to throw is uncharacteristic based upon what we see in practice. I mean, we know practices and games, you know, maybe by the Louisville game, by the Duke game, we're going to see a quarterback who's a little bit more comfortable going downfield. Let's switch our attention to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, Bryce Perkins is obviously the guy that he has the ball every play, the quarterback, good to talk about. But defensively was kind of what Bronco emphasized after the game was, you know, a tale of two halves, if you will. Defensively, they locked down a lot after a pretty rough first half that saw a lot of open rushing lanes. We did let the Indiana third string running back run for over 200 yards. Um, but they seem to kind of lock it down. Did you have any first impressions or takeaways um, just on the defense in general? I thought the defense played well. Um, they are catching some flat for that 200 yard rusher that, that they allowed. Um, and, and he is a rookie, but he's playing behind a great offensive line. Um, I don't know how much folks are talking about that. That Indiana offensive line is deep and veteran and experienced. And I knew coming into this game, that was going to be their ace in the hole, especially in a wet weather game like this, where you were going to be going to the ground attack um, on both sides. You know, both teams are going to be going to the ground. That Indiana offensive line is, is probably the strongest unit on their team. 
So I, I, I'm not surprised that they had success running the ball. I was a, the defensive line is always going to be playing uphill this year. You've got you know, two true freshmen in the rotation, and that's always going to be uh, a red flag um, between Redmond and Fuam, uh, uh, Femily. Femily, yeah. Um, and Bernie's a converted tight end. So we really only have two experienced defensive linemen. The sooner Thompson can get uh, eligible and on the field, the better. Uh, so it just really puts all the expectations on the linebackers. And, and I didn't feel the linebackers played their best game last night. I think they played solid, uh, especially in the second half. Not a ton of pass rush, but they did an, a, a fair job uh, attacking the, the running lanes. Uh, the wet weather did make it a little bit hard to change directions um, and a little bit hard sometimes to, to bring a guy down. But, I mean, you can't argue with the fact that they only really gave up two long touchdown drives on the day. Um, that second touchdown drive, of course, was uh, created off of the, the kickoff return fumble mm-hmm. um, by Joe Reed. And I, I want to say that Indiana was working with only a 20-yard field at that point. So yeah. you would have liked to see the defense come up with the field goal stop. But at the end of the day, two long touchdown drives away from home in bad weather, that's, a, that's not a bad day for the defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something they can hang their hat on and build off of. It's, obviously, they're going to be disappointed by the end result. But they spent the entire second half coming up with stops. It, it was a little bend, don't break. Uh, they did give up a couple of third down conversions, third and nines and, and whatnot. But um, at the end of the day, I mean, if you keep guys out of the end zone, you get a turnover, you get a, a, a stop on third down. They were doing what they needed to do. And some of those uh, receptions that the uh, Indiana receivers were making were well-covered uh, routes. Um, I, you know, I saw them, uh, I think the, the touchdown Tim Harris gave up, um, you know, it was just a bigger receiver, and it was just a jump ball. And mm-hmm. what can you do in a situation like that? Uh, and there are a couple others where the Indiana receivers were just making tough grabs in bad weather, and, and credit to them. Uh, they were well covered. So not to say that everyone played an A-plus game, but you know, all told, uh, I, was, I was okay with the way the defense played yesterday. We've talked a lot about the players, and you mentioned earlier that the, especially Robert and I was getting some flack for his play calling, but... How would you grade the coaches last night? I think that I, I think that there are some issues with the offensive play calling, but I was wondering what what thoughts you have on that. It, it could have been better. the The decisions not to feed Jordan Ellis more uh, was a little disappointing. He's coming off mm-hmm. a great game at um, at Richmond, and I want to say he only got twelve carries last night for about sixty yards. Yeah, he only Five had yards a clip. Carries. When when Bryce had uh, I think twenty or. Uh, over 25 um, mm-hmm. or right at 25 yeah, carries 25 so, on the dot and the, the way that the linebackers you mentioned the linebackers were spying Perkins there was an, an opportunity to give Ellis a little bit more work uh, especially in that weather the, the offensive line I thought was getting a decent push up the middle uh, pass protection is is not a strength of this offensive line but run blocking seems to be at this point mm-hmm. uh, there's a pretty good middle of that line I think our best two linemen at this point are or Proctor and Filer, and and they got in. You know, we had both of them in by the middle of the game, which was a pleasant surprise. Because I want to say Proctor wasn't on the two deep. I knew he had traveled, but uh, I think he was coming off an injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I might have it back with the feeler because they've both been dealing with injuries lately. But it was a uh, when they both got in the game in the second half, they were the middle of the late of the line was getting pretty good push, and I thought that would would be a good time to run some some um, run Ellis between the tackles, but we didn't do it as much as we we ought to. Uh, between that and like you said, just looking to get downfield. Um, I mentioned trouble getting separation on the receivers, but we've got some speedsters. I'd love to see Kelly uh, get more run. I know he got some targets last night, 
I'd like to see more. Uh, sometimes that that type of over the top speed stretches defense, and if we can hit that or even go after that once or twice, uh, just enough to to make the safeties play back uh, and give help to the cornerbacks. It's going to open up that middle of the field more for, like you mentioned, the tight ends. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the only tight end we got involved last night was Cowley had one reception, which was a big one. It was yeah. one yeah. that moved the chains. That was the touchdown drive, that first one. Yep. Yeah. I want to say it was a third down. He got that. It was a big 15-yard pickup. There's a lot of opportunities with with the linebackers watching Perkins. Um, if we can make our receivers go deep, but all of a sudden those tight ends we've got, we've got two good ones in Cowley and Butts. We should be working them in the middle of the field. So, yeah. I'd like to see the play calling a little bit more aggressive, attacking the middle of the field and attacking downfield. Against Richmond, you want to give a pass to an eye because you say, well, you don't want to show all your playbook because it's just an mm-hmm. FCS squad and we don't need to. Right. Uh, with Ohio, maybe, you, you know, and just like we did with, the, with Indiana, maybe they hold back a little bit because of the weather and they're not confident in Perkins. But mm-hmm. um, and maybe it's just the weather. But at some point, you're just going to have to turn it loose and, and open up all of the playbook. Yeah. Yeah, and speaking of Perkins, I want to bring up one more thing that I noticed about Perkins. I know we already talked about him, but when I sometimes when Perkins is going to hand off the ball or he looks like he's going to hand off the ball, I, I found a lot of times last night that it looked like he went the wrong way and basically did a full circle. And I'm wondering if you notice this too, and also do you think that the coaching staff is having him do this, or do you think that he – just messes up on which way the running back is going a lot. I'd, I'd lean a little bit to the latter. I mean, if, if we truly are running a run pass option, he's got a lot of decision-making going on in his head mm-hmm. um, in, in a very short period of time when he takes the ball. He's trying to keep track of his running back, but as well as his, his receivers and, and the defense to try to figure out where his, his best course of action to go is. Is it, is it to do the handoff up the middle? Is it to roll out and look for the deep ball? Um, or is it take off himself? And, I think with the speed of the game being uh, a big jump up for him, I mean, let's be honest, the, as much as I love our defense, uh, it's not the fastest defense in the world he's going up against in practice. Mm-hmm. And it's also a defense that he's familiar with in a lot of ways because he's yeah. been seeing, uh, he's been going against it since the spring. Going against unfamiliar defenses with with a lot of speed, with a lot of size, yeah, I do want worry a little bit that he's, he's still playing catch up uh, in the moment with the play calling and, and, and the decision-making. Hopefully that will slow down for him. You always talk about the proverbial light coming on for a quarterback or the, or the game slowing down for him once he's gotten a certain number of snaps under him in, in competitive games. You have to remember, you know, he's now two games in. This is his, the first FBS team he's ever faced. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen some great UVA quarterbacks struggle right out of the gate. Everyone talks about how long it took Matt Schaub to get going as a quarterback. You know, Marcus Hagan's, when he was uh, auditioning, when he was an underclassman, uh, fighting with Shab for minutes, and I think Spinner too. I'm going back that far. You know, <laughs> That's you know, right the, when we started. Yeah, yeah. Um, these guys are, you know, they're not going to be making all the reads and all the right decisions their first couple games. Um, so you just have to trust that they can uh, they can stay mentally sharp. They don't get rattled. And that's one thing that does give me hope about Perkins is he doesn't seem to get rattled. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, he is a gamer. Just like last week, he threw the pick six on the first drive. He underthrew Kelly as other the second or the third drive. Mm-hmm. But he shook it off um, and just kept gaming and, and wound up having a great game. Same thing last night. Um, he had a rough first half. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, he you know, after that first drive, I want to say only you know didn't have a, a drive for more than five plays the rest of the first half. 
Um, second half, he comes out. Uh, we get another touchdown in the third quarter. And even right there in the fourth quarter in that last drive, I mean, he was moving the chains. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would have been nice to have a few more minutes on the clock or a few more timeouts to work with. But he was still confident, uh, still attacking. And that tells me that even though he is going to have a little bit of uh, an, an adjustment curve, a little bit of a learning curve uh, against the you know, FBS-level defenses and ACC defenses when he starts playing ACC teams in a couple of weeks, um, I, I think he's going to have the mental fortitude to fight through it and come out on top. Yeah, no, a lot of good points. And I guess before we let you go, we want to just see one thing you're looking, looking for uh, next week against Ohio. To play like like the favorite. Um, Ohio, the, the line just came out right before we started our call. Uh, Ohio is coming in as a six-point underdog. They did not look great in their opening game. They played Howard uh, last weekend over Labor Day weekend and struggled. And How- Howard is, uh, I want to say, a MEAC team uh, coached by our former a, coach. A Mike, Mike London, London team. <laughs> it is. Um, but certainly not a team that's expected to to beat an FBS squad, even if it is a, a MAC squad. Ohio should have rolled that team, should have mm-hmm. rolled that Howard squad. And they didn't. Um, it went all the way down to the to the wire in the fourth quarter uh, that um, Howard had a chance to win it in the fourth quarter. And, you know, thankfully for Ohio, Howard had a few turnovers. Uh, I think I want to say five turnovers total in the game, which which was really the only reason that Ohio uh, was able to win that game. If Virginia can can not make mental errors, cannot turn the ball over, you know, no bad penalties or you know blown assignments. You know, giving up a deep ball or something to that effect. This is a team that Virginia should beat. And it's not often we're going to get to say that this year. There's really only three teams on the schedule, maybe four, where you can confidently say right now, this is a team Virginia should beat. Ohio is one of those. And just like we did with Richmond last week, you got to win the games you're supposed to win first and foremost before you can talk about winning some of the toss-up games. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at the schedule, it starts to get tough after we see, um, after we get out of Ohio. Uh, Louisville is, uh, you know, they look, they've looked bad in, in their opening week loss against Alabama, but you know, it's Alabama. Alabama is going to make everyone look bad. Right. Uh, we know, we know that's a good program coached by a good coach in Petrino. Uh, NC state's got, um, got some love this year, uh, at Miami. I mean, those are the three games we see coming right out of, uh, Ohio, uh, road game at Duke, um, is in there too in October. And we've seen how we play away from home. Wins are going to be hard to come by, um, over the few weeks that come, you know, after Ohio and, you know, if Virginia needs to view Ohio as a must win game against a team, it, it knows it should be play good sound football, mistake free football, and just, uh, just get out of there with the win. Hopefully healthy again. We've been lucky so far. That there haven't been any major injuries, uh, knock on wood. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, but yeah, just, just, Take care of business. If that would be my motto for this game against Ohio, take care of business so that we can we can go into that brutal late September, early October stretch, and at that point look to punch above our weight class. All right, great context. Yeah, I think I think all of that's spot on. So great analysis, and we want to thank you for coming on, St. Lou. Everyone should definitely check out Who's Place if you haven't already. It should be on your daily list to read. <laughs> so thanks again for coming on. Appreciate the analysis. And uh, hopefully we, we'll get you back pretty soon, too. Anytime. Looking forward to it, guys. Thank you all for doing this. Thank you. 
All right, so that was St. Lou Who from Who's Place. Uh, always welcome, you know, some great thoughts from the Who's Place guys. So really glad we got him on the show. And one thing we kind of just want to, like, continue the conversation a little bit more on is what he was saying there at the end about Ohio. Obviously, this now, after losing to Indiana, this has become really kind of a must-win game, you know, if you will. So it's a game that I think we should win. I said that last week, too. But I think Ohio is more <laughs> so a game we should win. And, you know, they they struggled week one. They definitely struggled week one. Howard gave them a big fight. And Nathan Rourke, who is their quarterback, who put up all these gaudy stats last year, was benched after the first quarter. So we'll see you know, if he comes out and gets the start again against Virginia, they had a bye last week. So kind of a weird week two bye. Yeah, it's a weird, weird thing, a bye to prepare for Virginia. I think that's strange. <laughs> Most but, teams don't need that. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that um, is interesting about Ohio is that their offense is good. They scored 38 points, but they also allowed um, 32 points uh, against Howard, right? So this is not a team that looks good on the defensive side. They allowed around 270 yards passing and around 150 yards rushing. So hopefully our ground game can get going. And especially because the weather looks kind of sucky for next week as well, hopefully we won't have to pass that much and we can just run down their throats. That one's going to be in Charlottesville. I am not going to be able to go next week, but I think Rob is debating about where to go. I'm on the fence. I want to go for sure. So the stars align... Hopefully we can make that happen. Depends on how the hurricane hits. Yeah, that's true. So we'll see. I think it's a big game next week. And with NC State coming after, with Louisville coming after, the last thing you want to do is be sending that, you know, one and four after the September schedule. And even two and three isn't a great look. But I view this as a very important game because you just got to find wins on the schedule. And this is one where Virginia should win and for the bowl, the path to bowl eligibility, I thought it ran through Indiana. Apparently it's not going to run through Indiana, but it definitely <laughs> has to run through Ohio. I just want to say that my weekly predictions so far are 100% correct. I said we would beat Richmond and lose to Indiana. It's a sad sport when you're a UVA fan. Yeah. I mean, it comes back to execution, like we said at the beginning. You know, maybe I'm sitting here pretty with my 2-0 record instead of Dustin and <laughs> we get a few more players to just execute so players got to make plays and uh hopefully they'll be able to do that this week against Ohio you know it does make me happy basketball let's and talk basketball I want to talk basketball a little bit there's not much to talk about but I do want to give an update on some things specifically Cafaro Francesco Cafaro who is a freshman center and from Argentina and he was a big time get because he really showed up during the the under 18 or under 19 basketball games and he really put on a show versus the team USA so a lot of, he went up against a bunch of five stars put on a show and committed to Tony Bennett so we're really happy to have him but unfortunately he is probably going to redshirt this season because of an injury and we actually got this information last week against Richmond my dad saw him uh, at the game on crutches and told me, and I said, he's, pro- he's probably fine. 
and I didn't listen, and it looks like he's out. So Rob and I could have broken our story, but yeah. we we didn't we didn't believe it. So it's unfortunate, but this might be even better because we've got Jack, we've got Jay, we've got Momity, we've got Frankie, who we're unsure what he, that's going to look like. Um, and lastly, if Braxton Key becomes eligible, we'll have him too. So I think our front court is pretty good, and uh, that's that's pretty much the update on basketball. The other thing about basketball is uh, Braxton Key situation. He has not uh, become eligible yet, and we still don't know when he's going to become eligible. I haven't heard anything that's going to suggest that whether or not he will be eligible or not, and so we just gotta have to keep waiting. If he is eligible, that's awesome for our team. It's a huge push, but if he's not, uh, I think it sets us up really well for the upcoming years. So yeah. we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, we'll see about Braxton Key. Hopefully that decision will come relatively soon. I mean, we're getting to the point where it's going to have to come. It's got to happen soon. at some point. So hopefully we'll get news there. Uh, another thing, you know, there was actually some good basketball content this week. David Teal had a nice article about Ty Jerome. Uh, Jeff White on VirginiaSports.com, he kind of had this whip around type article just hit on a bunch of different topics two things that kind of stood out to me were both the freshmen uh cody statman and then also kihei clark uh statman just tony talking about his jump shot i i'm kind of excited to see what statman can do i think mm. he's gonna take maybe a year or two to get to physically where he needs to be but just i, I think to, he's a i think his red shirt option too yeah i think he's one of those plays atypical tony bennett player where you not not big enough yet, but he wants wants him to get a little big bigger with Mike Curtis. So he might be someone that we stick in. It, once again, I think it goes back to the Braxton Key decision. If Key is eligible, I think he definitely redshirts because that that would bring up um, we'd have a lot more depth yeah. there. And Statman's someone who's probably going to play the three. Um, yeah, he's a wing. He's a wing guy, so he he would be a good backup for Dre. But I just don't think he's ready physically yet. So I think we're just going to have to see what happens there. We'll see. Apparently, he's got a really good shot. Tony says it's a little unorthodox. He barely jumps, but <laughs> it's very accurate. And apparently, he's got a good feel to it, according to Tony. Yeah. So I'm excited to see kind of what he's going to look like. Uh, another thing I thought was really funny was about Kihei Clark. We know his name now, by the way. You know, mm. it's two episodes in a row, we our, got it right. Our insider helping us out <laughs> so kia clark 5'9 155 pounds but apparently he's got a little bit of feistiness to him I my favorite quote in this jeff white article was from tony bennett i'll, I'll just read it i got it up tony said the best compliment i can give kihei is that early on in our summer workouts he got tied to get mad at him and throw the ball out his head so <laughs> that means that he's gotten under tie skin so he was doing his job so We'll see again, Kihei, lightning quick. You know, I love that. 5'9", we'll see what type of defender he is, but it seems like he's got a little bit of feistiness to his game, and hopefully that'll show up on the court. I think it's great. I think, you know, if you have a, like, a little guy who can run around and hopefully poke some balls and basketballs and hopefully just get in people's heads, you know, I'm excited to see what he can do. 
Yeah, and I consider Ty kind of a mellow guy. You know? Yeah. So when was the last time you saw Ty get upset about anything? <laughs> so you know, if he can do that to Ty, hopefully we'll have uh, Cameron <laughs> Crazies just going wild. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. Basketball season's almost here, and I'm you excited. know it's like I said a couple weeks ago when you have all that preseason optimism with football, it's great, and it's almost like how oh, basketball can wait. And then you see our football team, and you're like, oh, yeah, basketball. That'll be good. My Saints just got blown out. My my UVA just lost. I'm ready for basketball season. (laughs) (laughs) So we, we of course, will continue to give little nuggets here and there on uh, basketball. When they come. Yeah, there's a lot of good content this week coming out for, you know, when really there wasn't much happening in the offseason, you know. It's a good week. Get some content. Yeah. Always love when Jeff White will just run down and give us all the insider scoops. Yeah. But I think that's it for today, Rob, unless you have anything else. I don't I don't really think so. You want to give your yell? Let's give some yells. Let's give some yells. So I've got two yells today, actually. My first one goes out to the Nationals, the Washington Nationals, for going 69 and 69 as their record this year. Uh, this happened this past week, so shout out to them. I thought that was funny, and I think they did it for the country. You know, I think we needed that. <laughs> and my second shout out, this one's more serious, goes to Tina Thompson, our women's basketball coach, getting inducted into the uh, Basketball Hall of Fame this week. Uh, super excited to see her do that, and I'm really excited to see what she can do with our basketball team this year. I think the ladies should be good this year, and we'll see what she can do. Yeah. I'll give a shout to, uh, I guess, you, our listeners, and then also just the Virginia (laughs) sports fans in general. It was announced this week, and the same Jeff White article, that for the fifth straight year, season tickets for men's basketball games at JPJ have sold out. So I think it's cool. Uh, You know, build it and they will come. Hopefully the same thing happens with football, but I just, one of my favorite things in the world is just seeing the basketball stadium filled up and all the orange and all the excitement so there's nothing like it glad glad we're selling it out for a fifth straight year there's nothing like it but i think that's it for our show this week thank you for listening make sure to follow us on twitter at guys and ties pod follow us on snapchat if you want some bonus content (laughs) at guys and ties pod make sure to subscribe either on podbean or itunes if you want to keep listening and we'll see you next week Go who's, baby? Go who's? Ohio.